Telling It Like It Is program. I'm Apostle Baker J. Baker, who is a doctor in psychology, and I'm here today with my daughter, Jennifer Foster, and uh, she is going to, I'm going to wind her up and let her go ahead and do what it is that she does. I am so uh, honored to have her on this program today, and uh, welcome, Jennifer. Oh, thank you so much, Mama Dr. Apostle Baker. I am excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Okay, we're going to talk about spiritual um, daughters, I mean daughters and mothers. Yes. And you can put the spiritual thing in there or you can leave that out or however it is that you want to talk about it. I'm going to wind you up and let you talk. So tell me how you see well, actually, how do you see our relationship? Define it for the people. Go ahead and do that. Sure. So for me, um, Dr. Baker, also Mama Baker, the Lord really was the one who connected us. I would say that the Lord put a love for me inside of her heart long before we ever really had a real interaction. The Lord was already working that in her. And then when um i came about i recognized who she was in the spirit by the way in which we connected in the way in which she was able to speak into my purpose and understand who i was not just in my gifts but in my personality and how to treat me according to my individuality so um our relationship i would define our relationship as one of a spiritual mother and daughter in the way that she's not just a uh not just a mentor to me but that she also looks out for me in all other areas of my life to make sure that i am a whole individual and i'm not just a successful minister which many people define as covering but she goes beyond that to make sure that i'm healthy in my mind in my relationships in my marriage and in my kids and that i'm thriving in every area of my life beyond the ministry and the calling and the office so Okay, what does it feel like? What did it feel like the first time I got off into your Kool-Aid? Into your <laughs> So I um, the first time are you talking about like correction that you like had to redirect me and tell me no that's not right and, and, and this and that. Yes. So the first time you said that to me, um, it felt like like a tap in the shoulder saying, Hey, come up higher. You've been living at a low level and it's time for you to upgrade your thinking and to think more like the father and to get beyond the place where you have been familiar because of your peers because i'm calling you to another dimension and this right here is your elijah who is going to help you to think according to the way that you were designed to think from the beginning but that you're being reprogrammed to think and deprogrammed from the world You, you can keep talking. I mean, you, 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 why, why are you just going to these things and dropping? I mean, come on, I told you I'm going to wind you up and let you talk. Yeah, you can know. More so, than that, keep going. So I, I believe um, that that is so important because many times um, what I have seen in the past is that when correction is not received 
in the right way, um, the individual can become um, hurt in their feelings and they can become at times offended. And when I was a, a young individual, like in, well, I'm not old, I know that, but like when I was in my 20s, I had a really hard time with people that would correct me in a way that was authoritative because as a child, I had endured a lot of verbal abuse. So I had to mature beyond the area of my feelings to understand that you need to be willing to submit to authority and that in the way in which you submit to authority is not always in the way that is comfortable for you in the natural, but in the way that is beneficial for you in the spirit. And sometimes the, the reason why your flesh is wounded and your flesh is hurt is because you still have areas of unhealed immaturity that you have not allowed the Lord to deal with. So when something hurts you in the area of your feelings or in the natural, it's usually some type of issue that was not dealt with in the past. What were, some of those things that, what were some of those things that happened with you? Oh, I want you guys to know all this, all these, these crowns and all of these things, <laughs> get all of my, my, I don't have as I don't have as much uh, 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 blingy bling on my Monday as I want, but oh my gosh, my Tuesday and my Wednesday, I'm liking this, you know, because I like I like sparkles. Okay, we'll work on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, what were some of the areas in your personal life? We're not going to talk to the people. We're going to be real. I mean, I, I'm mm -hmm. I'm a person. I don't talk at people. I don't talk. You know, yes. to do this. It's all about. The, the fact of this is me and this is happening and transparency to whatever degree that you're allowed to, I mean, you, you're comfortable doing it or uncomfortable doing it. I don't really care which <laughs> to whatever degree is what's important because there are so many people that are so afraid of allowing anyone to know that they've gone through anything that we got a lot of sick people around and mm -hmm. As a doctor in psychology, I see this constantly and I don't like it. I do not like it. So I want you to talk about Jennifer. I want you to talk about the things that you can talk about. You know what I'm saying? But it's not they did or whatever. When you found out about your temperament and some of these things that were going on with you, you also found out about how God made you to be able to go through that abuse, those abusive things and whatever, and have you come out and have you working out. And these are some of the things that we're working on, having you work out so that you realize how strong you are. If we don't go through the things that we go through, uh, then we don't have any strength. I mean, what are we going to be doing? Weak butt people? I mean, you know, that's kind of silly. You know, here it is. We're strong in the Lord. You know, strong for what? Jesus learned what he learned because of the things that he went through. It's not the things that he didn't go through, but it is the things that he went through. So let, let's go there for a few minutes. Sure. So as far as uh, my personality, I believe that there was always um, somewhat of um of a feeling of inadequacy growing up because um, in my culture, in the Latino culture, you are expected to be very boisterous and everything is celebration. Everything is loud. Everything is over the top, the music, the colors, the, the culture, everything is like that. But I didn't fit within my family. I was quiet. I was shy. I was reserved. I was very introverted. 
but I was a very deep thinker and I always wanted to find a way to help people. So even though I wasn't very verbal, um, I was always looking for ways to serve. And so from a young age, being the oldest in my family, I was helping in so many ways because we were very poor. We lived in a house that would make any detached garage in the U.S. look like a palace. We had rats, we had mice, we had fleas, we had roaches, we had every kind of insect and animal that you can think of. We actually had drug dealers in a crack house in our backyard. And my grandmother was the one who would take care of us while my mom was at work. My mom worked five jobs and my dad was not around. So I took care of my sister when my grandma couldn't do certain things because she was old and she had a hard time seeing and she didn't have a cane. So sometimes she would have to hold on to the wall. Sometimes she would have to hold on to me because her, her legs were not very strong. So from a young age, I was taught to be responsible and to take care of other people. So in a way, I didn't feel like I had um, much of a childhood because I was forced to grow up from such a young age. And I believe that, that many of those things caused me to have a lot of self-hatred because I would see people being happy, being boisterous, being outgoing, being friendly towards others, but I always felt like I had to hide. I always had a lot of shame because we were very poor and I didn't have a dad. And we lived in literally what you would consider like a ghetto or the projects. The place where I lived was very dangerous. And the people that lived in those kind of places were usually drugs, uh, dealers, drug dealers, prostitutes, and pimps. And we were Christians. My, my mom and my dad had been ministers, but my dad ended up backsliding and my mom and dad ended up getting a divorce when i was seven and so when my mom divorced my dad um all of us became outcasts because in her denomination the worst thing and it was my denomination at the time too the worst thing that you could do was to get a divorce and she did uh because my dad was embezzling money and she didn't want to go to prison and even though he didn't go to prison she didn't want to be part of it so she left him and then we barely ever saw him and so i had a lot of abandonment issues and where i had grown up as a happy child before that in guatemala we were very wealthy we had nannies we had cars we were in private school we literally went from rags to riches when it was found out what my dad had been doing and so where i had been very happy and a little bit quiet before i became you mean you mean rags to riches, wait a minute you mean riches to rags right yes okay right. just rags <laughs> y'all don't mind my spanglish <laughs> and my little mix of words here so a lot of what i went through in the process of my childhood caused me to be a very shy and very scared child. So I lived in perpetual fear of rejection and perpetual fear of punishment, not because my mom was a very mean individual, but just in general, in the Spanish culture, you don't get time out. Time out doesn't exist. You get a whooping and there's no other way. 
and you get beaten for very small and very simple things because they want you to be a very perfect and very obedient child. They live by the philosophy that children should be seen and not heard. So your opinion doesn't matter if you're below 18. And even then, if you're living with your parents, you're still not important <laughs> because you're still a child and you still abide by their rules. So growing up, I had so much baggage and so many issues and i had been dragging those things for years and years and years and years and years and as i came to the lord i wanted to be able to grow in a healthy way i didn't want to do it myself by myself because there's only so much that i knew that i could learn on my own so all throughout my youth, um, I start out mentors even before I began serving the Lord. Uh, when I was 18, I joined the California Conservation Corps and I went up the ranks very quickly because I had been taught to be very responsible. So by the time I was 19, I was already uh, a specialist and a crew leader. So I had a crew of men, of 20 men that I was over that I was in charge of training. I was also the safety officer. I had to make sure that none of us would get injured out in the field. We were a good, sometimes hour and a half away from civilization working out there in the woods. And I was in charge of the crew to make sure that none of them would fall off a cliff or get hurt with machinery of any kind. So even in that, the Lord was maturing me. And okay, showing let, me, let, me, let me interrupt for just a second. Okay. You talking about how it was that you were raised and, yes. and people i mean most cultures a lot of cultures i know black people yes. same thing you're gonna be seeing yes. that all those kind of things you know but just look at i want you to look at the side of this that um as i was listening to you i have this thing called uh, a, a genealogy of thanksgiving mm. and all of the things that you went through were necessary even in order to get you to where it is that you were when you had taken on this other stuff. Yes. So it's like one of these things, the Bible says when you go through all of this mess, you know, you can count all of this a joyous thing. And you know, the reason for that is God has a purpose and uh, I, I, I look at, you know, even in my own family, I look at my sister and my brother and how they were more cuddled than I was. I wasn't. But I'm still here. I'm still alive because I do know how to fight. Yes. And I have no bad feelings about it all. In fact, I rejoice in it. So your temperament and how it is that God made you, not your personality, the personality you made. Uh, for yourself, you know, we're trying to destroy that one. I, I don't, uh, we're trying to destroy that one. But the thing of it is, is this, I want you to look at, you know, your culture, your culture is something that was very valuable for you to get you to do, to get you to the place that you are. It helped your tender side it helped your ability to your resilience it helped all of these things. So I, I want you to look at that. And as you look at that, see that God had thought about it and he had placed everything on the inside of you that would get through all them rats and all those, those mice and all of those things. See, you're bolder than I am because I don't like rats. <laughs> girly girl. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a girly woman. You know, I'm a, ah, you know, I'm a... Uh, <laughs> 
Amen. And, and you know, it is true. It is true. Uh, because even back then, while I was doing all those things, um, I was taking care of everybody, even though I was a kid. I was 18 year old, you know, because the man that I don't know if most people know, but when you join the California Conservation Corps, the California Conservation Corps is not a place where nice kids go. No, those people are coming out of prison. And that's why they joined the court because they need to get some kind of job training skill to get them back into regular society. I was leading ex-cons at 18 and I had no idea what I was doing, but the Lord's grace was there and he had a plan. He was training me for ministry without me even knowing that I was called to ministry. So when I had um, that radical encounter with the Lord at 20 years old um, and the Lord showed me in a vision, uh, that he he was gonna have me preach um, in crusades and things around the world. I didn't want to do that because I had seen what my parents had gone through in the ministry, and I didn't want any part of it. So I wrestled with the call, and I didn't want to do it. But because I understood the weight of the assignment, I said yes to the call, and I moved forward in the call. And um, when I came back to my church at the time, I began to seek out a, men a mentor because I knew that at 20 years old, I wouldn't be able to handle this assignment and I wouldn't be able to walk it out with the limited knowledge that I had. So I began seeking out mentors and the Lord gave me a mentor for that season. And she taught me to evangelize. She taught me to read the Bible. She taught me to study the word. She taught me how to witness that I was winning people to the Lord at bus stops and all kinds of things. And then when that season was over and the Lord moved me on from that place, the Lord gave me an apostle and a prophet and they walked me through deliverance and they taught me inner healing deliverance. They took me through their discipleship training. Uh, they taught me so many things about the fivefold and the apostolic ministry. And then uh, a little while later, when I met my husband, the Lord just continued to develop that call. But it was a process. It was a process. And the Lord used different people throughout the process to grow me up to the degree in which the Lord had given them the grace to help me to grow in. And then when that person had fulfilled their assignment and it was time the Lord would move me on or the Lord would move them on. And then he would hand me over to the next person who could help me to grow in another area. And so when I met you, mom, I knew that I had come only as far as I could come with the people that the Lord had um, given to me and helped me to connect with but that there was yet another dimension that had been untapped. And I believe that that was a mixture of both the spirit and the soul, but also the psychological as well as the apostolic mandate. Because some people think that it's one or the other, but in my heart, um, I knew that there was an important part that was missing within the minister uh, in the body of Christ and that I had a desire to help people to be whole in their mind as well as their spirit because I mean my own sister has battled with um, with mental illness for years 
and there was no way to really help um, in the way of the church. But I knew that outside of the church, there were tools that were available. But yet, when you try to marry the two, many times there would be friction because of that. Because people believed it had to be one or the other. So I had a desire to be able to operate in both and to really have a good balance of both. Because we can't be broken in one area and be whole in another. If we're broken in one, we're broken in all. So when I met you, it was such a, a supernatural, just that answer prayer because I had been following the teachings of uh, Dr. Miles Monroe for years without even knowing that you had sat at the feet of Miles Monroe. And when you said that to me, I was so amazed because the Lord had ministered to me through those kind of teachings for years, but I had not found people with that type of knowledge and a type of understanding of the mind and of the spirit anywhere until I met you. So praise God. <laughs> Excuse me. I want you to, to talk about how it is when someone starts to ask you about your personal life, about your health, about your marriage, about your children, about the things that, uh, when I started to ask you about these things and let you know that it was necessary for me to hear from your husband. It was necessary for me to see your kids. It was necessary for me to uh, be able to know uh, who these people are and all of that. Tell me what happened with you there. So when you began to say that to me, um, you know, it, it went beyond the She's just my apostle. It's like, well, she's my mom for real. <laughs> because she cares so much more about just the gift. She actually cares about our individual lives. Um, that we get along in the home and that we are a healthy family. Um, because many times um, what happens is that we have a mom or somebody who is like a mom in our lives and they give us advice and they give us this and they give us that and all that but they're not really able to help us to grow up in the, in the things of the spirit or then you have one who is an amazing mentor an amazing apostle but it's kind of like there, there is there's a line that they draw with you they're like okay here are my business hours kind of thing <laughs> and beyond that don't bother me because i am your mentor i'm not your parent so you deal with it on your own and you learn to to fight your own demons and do your own thing. And not that mom doesn't expect me to do that because she absolutely expects me to do that. But if I ever need her, I can pick up the phone and call her and I know that she is there. So it's not a thing of I love you, but don't bother me. <laughs> you know, parents are supposed to be tool givers. You know, when I was raising my children, I, I wasn't. Well, I guess I, I did give them tools. Some of them listened, some of them didn't. And um, um, I don't know what kind of parent I was. I was the best I could be at that time. But in this realm, uh, uh, I became a new creation. I actually believe that it's a new creation, that all things were made new. And in that, it's one of these things that if you don't have, if you're more interested in what it is that you're doing, rather than who it is that you are and how you are to be, 
then you got a lopsided false uh, uh, reality. And that kind of reality, I mean, it sucks. It's one of those things that it sucks and it will destroy your children. It will destroy your, your, uh, it will destroy your, your, your marriage. It will destroy who it is that you are because what will happen is this little erosions, mm. the wrong kind of water that is coming in. And so it's little erosions that come in. And when those little erosions come in, what happens is this, is that it starts to break down. And when it starts to break down, then it gets very rusty. And when it gets very rusty, then it falls apart. And so uh, in the last three minutes, I want you to talk about that, if I made sense of what it was I just said, which I know I yes, did. Yes, of course. Um, yeah, as a, I would say as a, as a young mom, I had a hard time with that. You know why? Because the way that I had been taught and I had been discipled uh, by the apostle and the prophet that I was under, it was God, church, church, God, and that's really all that you focused on. So there was really not much room for the family, even though they talked about the family. And we were literally so busy doing things within the church building that there was hardly any free time to spend with your family. There was hardly any free time to spend with your children. And as I stayed under that ministry for several years, I began to see that many of the marriages that were coming up were ending in divorce because the people were so busy serving inside the four walls that they didn't even have time to get to know each other. They were getting married and hardly knowing each other. And that opened my eyes to the, the grievousness of making ministry an idol and neglecting the very ones that you're called to raise. The, the mean, your inheritance, your children are your inheritance. And I knew that the Lord had not asked me to place my children on the altar of ministry. Because that everything that I would do today would be reproduced in my children, good or bad. So that if I would sow bad seed in the way of ignoring, in the way of despising them because they were little and they needed me when I needed to be up on the platform, that I would reap that in my old age. And so I had to be careful to train my children not to hate ministry by properly modeling to them a good balance of life and ministry. So, yeah. That's good. That's very good. You know, we're going to take, we're going to, you're going to do it. You're going to be with me next week also. And we're going to continue with this topic, but we're going to go at a different part of it. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about the time that you have to, that you spend with your husband and how you, you, you divide this. And, you know, that, um, the, the, um, the thing, you do how it is that you and how it is that you uh you 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 orchestrate them and so we're going to yes. do but right now we're about out of time and we just want to let you know this is dr this is apostle uh baker j baker who happens to be a doctor in psychology and my daughter jennifer foster and we will be back next week as we really tell it like it is bye-bye